0: This is the Pitchfork Review. I'm Jeremy Larson, the Review's director here at Pitchfork. Pooja has the week off, and so here I am. And today, we're talking about the latest release from Kalela, the R&B experimentalist Supreme. The album is called Raven. It is her first official LP in five and a half years, and her upcoming tour sold out basically on the advance of three singles ahead of the album very exciting. So to jump right in, I am joined by senior editorial producer Eric Torres and editorial fellow Heaven Haile. Welcome to you both. How are you doing today? Hi, doing well. How are you?
1: Doing well as well.
0: (laughs) I'm terrific. I'm really excited to be joined by the both of you who I consider um, extreme experts in R&B and dance music. Um, And and to that end, I kind of want to know a little bit about how did R&B and sort of dance music in general, like become your metier or like what you love and and, like what do you love about this and your history of it?
2: I grew up with pop and R&B music. It's kind of my first musical loves. My parents grew up in New York in the 70s and 80s. So a lot of that early stuff was played around the house. They were big on like Michael and Janet Jackson, disco, soul, but also like a lot of good classics like The Stylistics and Temptations yeah. and stuff like that. And then later I kind of got into like Erica Badu and stuff like that. And that changed everything for me, of course. But I also just love like researching and highlighting artists from marginalized identities and queer artists throughout history. I think someone like Sylvester, who we hadn't covered before, did so much for, for disco and high energy music. And I think it's it's a privilege and a joy to kind of write about those kind of pioneers.
0: And Heaven, tell me a little bit about your background from getting into R&B and dance music. You've written a handful of reviews that have all kind of revolved around black women and music. And I just kind of want to know a little bit about how you became such a lover of pop and R&B and in general.
1: Yeah, so we weren't really allowed to listen to secular music until I was like 10 years old because my parents were just very religious. So, but like growing up in Eritrea, which is in East Africa, right next to Ethiopia, Mm Beyonce, single ladies would always just be playing on like the news circuit for some reason. So she was really my introduction into pop music. But Mm. I was like, oh, like this is really amazing. But I wasn't really into what they call uns uns music just yet, (laughs) into into EDM just yet. Uh So I was like, this is great. But then I remember I was scrolling on, on Twitter a couple like years later and I saw the music video for Rewind and I was like, who is this dark-skinned Ethiopian woman with locks and, like, half her head shaved? I have to know mm. literally everything about her. So then I, like, searched up everything, and I found out that we grew up in the same count montgomery county in maryland yeah and she went to high school like 30 minutes away from me and i really don't know how to like communicate how like i know people throw around the word radical but Mm -hmm. she does not really fit the beauty standard in america or like ethiopia as well so i think that was just so like revolutionary for me to see someone who was just that comfortable in her skin and just Kalela to me is what Sufjan John Stevens is to Midwestern white gay men who spent their teen years in the closet. Like that's the <laughs> <Wow>. equivalent <ovulate Yeah. laughs> that I, feel I can that. like think of.
0: Yes. Wow. I was wondering, Eric, if you can kind of take me through just a real quick spin through Kalela's whole career, you know, starting from from the very beginning and 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 how she went from sort of like an experimental artist to sort of where she is right now.
2: Her first breakthrough was that Cut For Me mixtape, which was 2013, Mm -hmm. that was released through Fade To Mind, which was this, or is this label and kind of artist collective that is big on underground dance music. A lot of people from Fade To Mind got to work on Cut For Me, and that was kind of a first example of, like, her curation skills, frankly, and, like, it was, like, a, a good example of this kind of stripped-down R&B sound that she kind of made her own.
0: Yeah, and that features, you know, producers, like, and Nguzu Inguzu, and Jam City. Right. And sort of, like, what happened after the Cut For Me mixtape? Like, wh- where did she go from there?
2: So, yeah, like, Bankhead was such a moment. And then after all of this, she followed it up with Hallucinogen, which was an EP in 2015, So on that one, she's working with people like Arca, a lot of more, getting just more and more experimental, I think. And then two years later, in 2017, follows that up with the debut album, Take Me Apart. And so all of these are, obviously, we gave Best New Music, which deservedly, I would say.
1: (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Kevin, what, what can you tell me about Bankhead? Because I think that was probably maybe the first that people had really sort of heard of her.
1: For me, it was the first kind of, I guess, EDM adjacent song mm. that I was like really into. But yeah. I, I think I gravitated more towards her RB stuff on like Take Me Apart afterwards.
0: And it's sort of that mix of sort of RB and dance that became a lot of what, like, critics wrote about, right, and that, and then sort of the melding of just, like, like you said, having, like, there's something different when you're sort of listening to this music alone mm-hmm. or imagining club music alone in your Gaithersburg bedroom versus, like, being out at a club. Mm-hmm. Colella was probably, to me, like, trying to bridge that divide and bridge that gap between R&B, which can be a very sort of alone, personal, private, like, experience, and the club, which is obviously more of, like, a communal experience, When she announced Raven, we got the track Washed Away, and she said she wanted to speak to sort of the marginalized Black community uh, who are made to feel inadequate, and that Washed Away is sort of the, quote, soundtrack to the relief we find after going inward. So... There was a little bit of a break from from Take Me Apart to now Raven. And I think a lot happened in Kalela's life in, I mean, in America, in the world, um, in that gap. But I'm wondering if either of you could talk to sort of like what happened for Kalela in that time between Take Me Apart and Raven and when she announced Washed Away. I think this has
2: kind of just been like a period of taking stock and like mm-hmm. making a lot of changes in her life. She's In interviews, she's kind of spoken about this document she put together of like important texts and like films and podcasts. So things like The Will to Change by Bell Hooks, um, Reader on Massage Noir by Candace Williams, stuff that just kind of centers, you know, building community and meaningful connections, I think, as a black woman. She also spoke about kind of feeling isolated in dance music. And this is kind of in the sense that. When she broke out with Hallucinogen and even Take Me Apart, like six or seven years ago, there was not as many Black femme queer folk creating this kind of music and Mm -hmm. pushing it forward and being given the opportunities, I think, in the first place and space to do that. So now, like in no small part because of her work, I think that's shifted a bit. Also, I mean, over the past four years, there's, you know, the onset of the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter uprisings in 2020. So, you know, she's kind of said that she's redrawing these boundaries for herself and she also like spoke about being disappointed with the men in her life and navigating misogynoir in the industry too which I think led to like restructuring how she approaches making music and who she's collaborating with and interacting with just in the industry
0: too so and she also wrote I mean I think she said that she wrote a lot of letters to labels and to the music industry right. explaining her point of view on things and I think, you know, she said in a few of these interviews that she burned a lot of bridges by doing that. But she, it was more of felt like a felt like a kind of a cleansing sort of start over reorganizing her art so that she's speaking to the people that she really wants to speak to, which, I, like you said, are like mainly black, queer, femme people who've been in either literally or figuratively like the front row of her shows.
1: I always revisit her interviews as much as I revisit like her music because Mm. her words are just like really powerful and like it makes me demand more for myself there's this Toni Morrison quote that she delivered at like this keynote speech in some college that I can't remember but Mm -hmm. she said that a major function of racism is distraction so like if the hegemonic powers of like white supremacy say that you don't have culture if you don't have good music, you're not talented enough, you continuously try to prove yourself, but it's like those standards are created so that they cannot be met. It's kind of this like Sisyphean ordeal. Like you spend so much time trying to prove yourself that you kind of burn yourself out. And I think that's ultimately why she kind of burnt those bridges. In Raven, the the title track, she says, I'll go where they hold me down, Mm. which I think is so powerful because it's like she is just refusing to even kind of deal with that because it's so like energy draining. At the end of Take Me Apart, the last song, Altadena, she it's it's like this beautiful ode to black women, black femmes who aren't given like, you know, just do and aren't like recognized for their work. And she says, Where can I go? And she like kind of repeats that and it's kind of like this kind of full circle moment where she's saying like, I'm gonna go where people see me. Where can, where can- Go, go, stay again, take in, in college when I was like having this really rough time so I went to this like predominantly white school what college mm. isn't at this point but <laughs> um, mm-hmm. an upperclassman this black woman told me you are never going to be understood by people who are simply like committed to misunderstanding you. So just don't (laughs) waste your time. And in this interview with, I think it was E News, she says that she creates her lyrics specifically so that black femmes feel comfortable and feel catharsis like repeating the lyrics. So it's not, after the summer 2020 protest and even a bit before, so much quote unquote protest music was created to be provocative for the sake of like provocation, like, you know, mm-hmm. babies like BET, mm-hmm. whatever, where mm-hmm. he had like a cop on his neck. It just feels so gimmicky in that sense. But in the Guardian piece, it meant, uh, the writer mentioned how she doesn't even really have slogans in her music, but it still feels like a protest. Um, and I think that's what's really powerful about her latest album.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I think, you know, when we can talk about maybe like Washed Away, right? Because that's sort of the first track we heard from here. When you listen to washed away, like it, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of anger stemming from from these feelings of marginalization or these feelings of ostracization or these feelings of not being heard. There's something much more healing about it, you know, and, and we can talk about the properties of water and the properties of baptism, the properties of being reborn in the ocean and that kind of thing. What is sort of the first feeling you get when you hear something like washed away?
1: It definitely is very ambient, way mm. more ambient than her other stuff, and it does, yeah. like you said, feel like a baptism. And she like gets really jazzy on this record, which I like really appreciate. But it definitely, like she says, it's like a palate cleanser. It's kind of the sonic equivalent of like take your shoes off, take off your coat, and like come in, and like the outside <laughs> world doesn't like yes. matter here. It's a, it's a great introduction.
0: Did you guys listen to the Aquaphoria mixtape? that she put out in 2019?
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: How did Washed Away come out of that? Did you sort of feel like a connection from those two things?
2: Yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah, It's kind of a collection of ambient and abstract electronic music, mm-hmm. people from like Aphex Twin and Japanese New Age artists. And she's kind of singing over them and vocalizing over them. It's really gorgeous, and it feels like a prequel in a way. It kind of, like, establishes that cleansing mood we're kind of talking about that Wash Away does, too.
0: One of the things about Raven is that there are ambient touches to it, but I don't think you could describe it as a fully ambient album, because there's a lot of stuff here that kind of has, like, there's breakbeat songs there's sort of like dembo rhythms there is some uk garage there's some i think there's just some like you know straight up classic sort of common time r&b stuff on here too what is sort of your overall impressions of raven
1: um well my first impression of it is her voice is like so i mean her voice has always been really amazing but it's very strong on here and it's very like honestly she could hum for like 30 minutes, and I would be like, (laughs) I would eat it up. But it's, she could hum the phone book and you'd listen. She's just like so (laughs) great on it. But um, when she was like growing up, she would perform in like jazz clubs and she pushed herself to sing songs in Arabic and Urdu so that she could like Mm. improve her like voice. I was talking to Pooja earlier. (laughs) She asked me what my favorite song was on there. And I was like, it doesn't feel like you can pinpoint a specific song, it kind of just feels like this she described it as a sound bath. You can't really pinpoint where something starts and where it ends. And that's one thing that I like really like about it because we're in this kind of age of, you know, snippets on like TikToks, you know, I'm a big fan of TikTok, but it's like we've gotten accustomed to these 15 second like sound bites, but she's kind of forcing us to sit there and like bear witness to this. Mm. It's like an experience.
2: Yeah, no, I totally agree with the jazzy stuff, too. It's like, it feels like there's like a kind of improvisational Mm -hmm. kind of thing going on with Mm -hmm. her vocals that I think is really fascinating to hear. And it is definitely more upfront in this album, which is just so
0: incredible. My favorite song on the record that I kind of wanted to get you guys' opinion on is On the Run. This is produced by Jungle Pussy and Catronada, who are both on this song. And and to me, it's like this song is, is probably one of the most amped up dance. I don't know if it's da- I don't know if it's like a dance ready. But to me, it's sort of like it's the one that sort of gets me moving. I love how the synths are like wobbly like in there i kind of love how there's this <laughs> there's like this faint background like dj mustard hey 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 that sort of happens <laughs> it kind of feel like we're almost listening to two on by tanache but like it's this sort of like underwater version of two on by tanache <laughs>
1: it's like it's very like Fun and it, it's very cunty, as they say. If I'm allowed mm-hmm. to say that on here, um, but <laughs> well, we're working like, that into the lexicon. Okay. I think. I think
0: <laughs> this will age well. I think. Okay, it'll be sweet. Um,
1: so, but there's a line where she says, "Like loneliness, I see in your eyes, it can render you blind." Which is just so, because the song is not like sad. It's like very like you know like fun and but then that one line it really just gets you and you're like fuck like why did you have to drag me like that but yeah I feel like her music is like on the run as well it's like it's fun Mm -hmm. dance music but Mm -hmm. it's fun dance music for the broken hearted I guess it's how I can like really describe it it's like everyone is just going through it but this moment is all that we have and everyone's kind of savoring it is the only way that I can like Really, describe all the it.
2: way. I agree, Heaven. It's one of my favorites on the album. Yeah, there's kind of like <laughs> and like emotional integrity to Kalela's music that like really makes it its own thing. I'm Nomi Fry, and this week on Critics at Large. We're talking about the delights and shortcomings of the new movie, Challengers. It starts in Zendaya at the center of a tennis triangle and a very steamy love triangle. Who are her loyalties to? Will she be tempted by the other one? How do these guys reckon their professional playing
1: ambition with their romantic and sexual feelings about this mysterious woman? And such we have it. We have a conflict between three people in a game meant for two.
2: Is it a sports movie or a sex movie? Find out on Critics at Large from The New Yorker. New episodes drop every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: I mentioned Beyonce earlier. I don't think it's necessarily prudent to just compare these two albums together. But but there is like a marked difference between Beyonce putting out like a very... For, for all intents and purposes, for Beyonce, like a pretty experimental black queer dance album and the difference between Colella putting out a very experimental, like, black queer dance album because these two women are just, at frankly, at very different stages in their career and have different an entirely different history relating to this kind of music and relating to R&B. And Heaven, I was wondering if you could talk about kind of like, what are the stakes for Calella here?
1: I feel like both artists have different approaches for kind of the same goal which is uh, like black liberation other than Kalela being queer as well and a lot of recent interviews when Formation came out people were talking about and also Beyonce talked about how she couldn't really be as forthright with her politics because she wasn't as established yet you know that whole SNL skit where they were like Beyonce's Beyonce's black like what's going on like it's it really is that cultural consciousness that she was kind of raceless for like a big portion of her career because of marketability and stuff like that. But Kalila has always been very forthright and kind of, you know, telling it how how she sees it, even though she Mm -hmm. doesn't come from a musical family. She doesn't come from, you know, this kind of establishment behind her, but she's always been taking up space and not really allowing people to be comfortable in their racism, like calling out her peers. I think that she really runs this huge risk of being seen as difficult to work with as a dark skinned black woman, as someone who does not have as many connections. So I think that's what makes you know, her stances stand out more than, I guess, I love Beyonce. That's that's my girl. But she definitely has like a really capitalist angle to all of her. It's so hard to divorce it because that's her ethos. And in a lot of her interviews, Kalala says that she thinks what Beyonce is doing is like really powerful because, you know, we haven't really seen black people amass a lot of wealth through entertainment. It's just, I don't know, there's just a stark difference. But, you know, hopefully two queens link up and maximize their joint sleigh, as they say.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, as they say, I say yeah. that a lot. <laughs> um, are there any songs in, in particular that that sort of, are there any lyrics maybe that really kind of stick out to you?
1: Um, it definitely is Contact for me, where she rhymes yeah. sauna and wanna. <laughs> it really <laughs> yes. is yep. just yep. so powerful. Okay, one thing, I'm just like looking through the lyric sheet right now, and I just really love how she's using emojis. There's this line yeah. <laughs> on Bruises where it says, you mad, but I'm saying, and it's like a shrugging emoji that she attached <laughs> on there. But also on the back end of the album, I really like the lyrics of Enough for Love. Um, where she says, I need a tougher love, but also in Contact, where she says, like, she wants softness as well. I think I've been reading a lot of bell hooks is all about love, which I don't Mm. recommend unless you want to spiral. It really (laughs) kind of, like, Uh takes apart every single thing that you've, like, preconceived notion that you've had about love, and you realize that, like, we're living in this profoundly loveless world. But I think. Bell
0: Hooks, not a fan of love bombing. I,
1: I, <laughs> I mean, you can really see the like Bell Hooks influence in these lyrics. I feel like Kalela takes love as seriously as like scholarly work as Bell Hooks does. And I think that's mm-hmm. what I really love about this. But
0: you know, if I were to sort of not nitpick, but just sort of like something that that I kind of wish of this record is like, it does have a very sort of weighty, very serious tone, like all the way through. And I think like, this is a very serious record about serious things that can make it sometimes a a full listening experience that I don't know. It's it's confrontational. It it can be difficult, which is often not what I think of when I think of like ambient music. But do you guys feel that kind of
1: difficulty here in a way? I don't really feel the difficulty i think it's because like she makes music for black femmes to like sing so i don't feel like that like difficulty it feels like there's like a major it feels like a a big album of like levity i mean definitely like Mm. the lyrics on raven where she talks about her feelings of being like disposable in like a white supremacist like country and world i think those yeah. are like really heavy but i think her voice really kind of like lifts you out of it but i think those like funny moments come or like a major like levity is rava gabor's rap verse enclosure which was like mm. really funny i think this is one <laughs> line where she says you like him brown, you ate another Clayton Bixby, and Clayton Bixby is, like, a character yeah. in, like, the Chappelle <laughs> Show skit. It was, like...
0: <laughs> Black-white supremacist? I think
1: I think that's what it is, but yeah. I was just, like... One thing that I really love about Kalila is that she won't explain things. There's a lot of, like, inside jokes that you would not really know unless you're, like, a black femme. Even in, mm. like... Robert Gabor's like verse where she says, got good knees. I'm trying to write it like a six. I mean, I guess people would know, but like, I feel like <laughs> the thing of of having I, like I Megan. I
0: context clues. Yeah. 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 But, like the thing of like having
1: Megan the Stallion knees, it's like, it's like they just won't like explain things to you, which I like. Right. I think is really powerful.
2: Yeah. I agree with you, Heaven. I think. And like, I kind of, Jeremy, I understand, like, I don't think she came back with like an album full of bangers mm-hmm. or anything. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a lot subtler yeah. and the hooks are subtler and more understated. But for me, I think that makes it like that much more rewarding to return to and keep experiencing. And, and it is immersive. It's like a really, I think it's a much more immersive album than Take Me Apart was.
0: So, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about high theory and academic theory and, and sort of like deep spirituality, but, but heaven, you, you, she has this sort of earth goddess vibe to her, but she also, you know, she's very like committed and open and saying it like it is and heaven, does her twitter feed reveals sort of a different kalela than maybe that appears on this album
1: yeah definitely like as a fellow clown she really is a clown herself like (laughs) as Uh like the trailer for this album release was a collection of tweets being like where's kalela like where's kalela and i think that's like just okay like a lot of artists when they're in on the joke of their own like artistry it's like okay fun's over like it's getting weird Mm -hmm. and it's getting corny but like it really is so refreshing to see her as someone as like elusive as her being in on the joke but me and eric were talking about this earlier but like her twitter getting hacked and someone trying to sell like (laughs) playstations from there was really funny but that's when she like announced new music was coming but then also someone put together like a collection of tweets where she was in different cities being like hey amsterdam like where's the weed but she used like
0: emojis of
1: plants Uh and then recently she was like oh it's about that time again like i think she was in paris she's like paris where's the weed and i think that's like a really fun (laughs) running joke that she has because yeah like she is very like cerebral but she is like a clown at heart
0: one thing i'm curious about and i and i wanted to get both of your take on here is is where colella sits like in the broader r&b world right
2: I think Kalela is more of a bridge into like dance music, mm. and that's kind of part of what makes her music so unique. But I don't know. I mean, it's interesting comparing her to SZA too, because they both released their debuts in the same year, and they both came back with these kinds of wildly different compared to each other albums. But both on the they are both kind on of the Saint
0: Heron comp too. <laughs> yes, that's yeah.
2: true. Wow. But yeah, I think it's also just kind of like they're carving out their own lanes in R and B by you know making the personal universal in a way, but in their own specific ways and these really intentional ways. And I think there's like a lot of emotional recognition that you can find in that that's really powerful and, you know, provides solace in a lot of ways.
0: I think I was reading this in a Kalela review and it was fascinating. She, I think she said something about build the target around the arrow, which is like a phrase about how to create as opposed to shooting the arrow at the target. You build the target around the arrow. At the end of the day, for my little nitpicks that are kind of meaningless about this album, like what I what I really love and respect about Raven is that like it is such a cohesive and coherent and like you said uncompromising piece of work that is that has an idea that carries through the entire thing all the way to the end. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to thank you guys so much for coming and talking about this. This was an amazing conversation. Thank you. Thank you. The Pitchwork Review is a production of Condé Nast. Catherine Fenelosa at Rococo Punch is our senior producer. James Trout at Rococo Punch is our technical producer. Ryan Dombel is our showrunner. Jessica Gramulia is our music supervisor. I'm Jeremy Larson. Thanks for listening.